Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas. We have with us Martin Goofball Willis, uh, my usual UFO news uh, guest. And then, of course, uh, we've got, since this is our special 2018 year in review, we have uh, our good old buddy, Dr. Lee Pizza Boy Spiegel. <laughs> I I wondered if you were going to give me another name like Goofball, but Pizza Boy—that's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. I'm jealously actually, <laughs> just because they're both goofballs, and that's it right. was it was hard to wrangle them <laughs> so we could start the show. And <laughs> uh, and of course, Lee and I have this running joke about being doctors and uh, ordering pizzas from each other. And uh, <laughs> yeah. the listeners might may, might remember, like I think it was a UK tabloid that referred to me as dr rojas and that's why i had i had and then somebody uh, referenced you as a doctor too rightly i don't know i don't know if if they had they didn't do it to my face i think uh, it was even coast to coast or something and that's why we started that i, I haven't think, even been and, and you know that's kind of that's kind of an ongoing joke that i have with stan friedman every single time mm. i call stan just to have a conversation and say hello and he picks up the phone i go ah dr friedman and he says no mm. i'm not a doctor don't i have to keep telling you that a lot of people have made that mistake yeah he's yeah. very good yeah. at pointing that out he's not a doctor <laughs> yeah which is important because unfortunately some people in this field have not been uh quick to point that out and and they've led people to believe the wrong thing sure yeah, and he he likes to keep everything factual, so I understand why he wants to stay very very credible and okay. But to me, he's a doctor, so what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Honorary doctorate from yeah. Lee Spiegel University. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, before we get into our year in review, let's uh, talk some UFO news. And you've got something for us, right, Mister Willis? Yes. Well. Um, it, it's kind of, um, this is space news more than UFO news, but interesting anyway. So China, uh, China's uh, uh, Chengi 4 uh, spacecraft made the first ever soft landing on the far side of the moon in a mission uh, investigating the history of the solar system and paving the way for future exploration. By the way, some people call it the dark side of the moon, but it is indeed not. It just depends on... Um, it's a relation to orbiting the earth and facing the sun and all that. It does get sunlight. And a lot of people are unaware of that just because it, you know, the moon is fixated and, uh, because of the gravity and the more metals or whatever on one side of it. Um, so, uh, we only see one part of it. Anyway, this is exploring the other part and landed in this huge crater. It's, uh, it's actually part of a larger, um, uh, crater. I, I, 
I know the one that landed is 186 kilometers wide. I'm not sure. I think it's something like 2,500 uh, kilometers wide. The whole, uh, the major crater, it's the largest one actually known in the solar system. So they're actually hoping that they can, uh, and it's called the von Karman crater, and they're hoping that they can actually find something where this impact is uh, that may actually lead to, you know, the development of, of uh, the moon itself. Uh, it's really uh, interesting, and uh, that's something that just landed, took off, I think, in December 8th or something like that, and orbited for um, all yeah, that Yeah, and it just landed today. So, And I think yeah. they're even going to try to grow some seeds or something like that on the moon, but uh, they don't share as much information. That's why, in fact, on this side, we didn't even know exactly when it was going to um, land. But uh, it's funny because when I say dark side of the moon, which many of the stories do because it's kind of just a phrase that we use, even though, like you pointed out, it's not technically dark. It does get light, which just is tech more accurately the far side of the moon the side that we don't see uh you got another one well i was up uh, i just this fascinating um um image that just came forward mm. of the uh well the number of it is uh 2014 mu69 aka ultima thule and it was uh, taken by nasa's new horizon spacecraft on its approach um now this was uh four billion miles um away and uh from earth actually and the new horizon was about fifty thousand kilometers away from the object when it took this picture but it looks like a snowman and i don't know um if everyone's looked into this but it really is quite an amazing uh, it's a binary uh shape it was probably two objects that kind of slowly came together um because there's no uh, evidence of any type of collision with the two objects and so they're just kind of formed together at one time. And this may have happened, you know, billion, billions of years ago. Um, they're not really sure. It's about 14 kilometers across something, 19 kilometers wide. Uh, How far away is it again? Around. It's up, I believe it's about 4 billion uh, miles from the Earth. So it's wow. actually the, the furthest um, object that we've actually been able to see. Pretty hmm. amazing. That is amazing. Um are you? Do you know for sure you have the pronunciations right of the uh, Chinese lander and the, the well, name the, of? Well, the Chunga. Uh, yes, I did. I was very careful because <laughs> that is the Chinese goddess. So I went, oh, uh, um, you know, check that out to make sure that was pronounced correctly. As far as this Thule or t I may I, I guess I'm, the bike rack the company bunker of uh, pronouncing some of these things. The bike rack company uh, of the same name goes by Thule. So That's what I, I meant to say. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm just curious uh, if you looked into it so I can know how to, to say these things. Um, and how do you say the lander again? That's Chunga. Chunga. Chunga 4. Yeah. Chunga 4. Ooh, cool. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know that one. And I was, I know, destroying it when I've mentioned it in the past. I'm sure I, I made some really stupid sounding noises. Well, so they had Chunga. the Chunga 3. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and then they're actually going to be launching uh, one more in 2019 coming up. Uh, another one fairly soon, actually, in March, I believe. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll wrap up the news, but I think that it's an important 
thing these stories are important that you bring up because that's one thing about 2018 is for space exploration it's been extraordinary there's been so many changes we're really close to uh, actual civilian space travel and of course i did a story on den of geek on that we've talked about it in the past and uh oh i've got to get a youtube video up on that but uh, with the Chinese and everybody ramping up going to the moon, it's been really an extraordinary year for, for space. And, and what do you think, Lee? Do you have any comments on, on that? Well, I, th- I think you're right. And I, by, by, by luck, I was in California a couple of months ago working on this documentary, as you know. And I was there on the night that uh, was it, um, SpaceX oh, yeah. launched... Uh, a satellite from Vandenberg Air Force Base, and people came into the studio where I was working, and they said, "You got to come outside. There's a UFO right in the sky above us." And I went outside with my camera, and uh, th- this amazing sight in the sky—it it almost looked like a, a big comet with with a trail coming back from it. And I didn't know what it was, and I had forgotten the news items that SpaceX had launched this new satellite. And I said, well, whatever it is, for the moment it's a UFO, but I'll bet it'll be on the news tonight. And and of course it was. And I took some pictures of it, and they said on the news, and I went to the SpaceX site later and saw the actual t- replay of the launch. And at the exact moment where my camera recorded this thing in the sky, that's when the the first stage of, of the rocket was falling back to earth um before it was going to come back for that perfect landing that mm-hmm. uh, they had on the news later that night so yeah it is it, it is amazing that there's all this entrepreneurial stuff going on as far as the space race it, i mean it's not just the americans versus the soviet union like it was in the 60s this is a whole different ball game now of what the space race is all about so, Lee, people might not realize you've been kind of on a secret project lately, uh, working with James Fox, who has created, yeah. I believe, you know, some of the best UFO documentaries out yes. there on, on this latest documentary. So that's pretty exciting. Is that getting pretty close to finished? Yeah, we're, we're getting closer and closer. James has actually been working on this for four or five years. I've been on, on the, the project for the last year and a half. And, and, wow. and for me, it's, it's been a long year and a half. Uh, I mean, I can't believe that it was like June of 2017 when my career at the Huffington Post came to an end so that I could really mm. start working on this project with James. And now here we are like a year and a half later. And where did the time go? Wow. Um, I guess. We, time flies. We, we, have, we have gathered some incredible interview footage from people that will will take the breath away, we hope, of the audience when they finally get a chance to see this, where we've got a few more segments that still need to be produced. And um, we're, we're looking at uh, literally an early spring um, readiness for the public. And I know there are a lot of stuff uh, that's coming up on TV uh, about UFOs that are about to hit as well. So the timing is, is pretty good for us in the project. Pretty exciting, and I almost forgot about this. I've got a TV project that's going to air on the 10th on the CW, oh. um, something I helped produce um, also. Uh, 
and I'm in a bit of it. Ryan Sprague is one of the hosts, but that mm. is in relation to the Roswell program. And they just like announced that today that they're going to be airing it on the 10th and then it'll be online uh, and I'll be able to show people. So I almost forgot about that. Yeah, wow. they, they've been doing a lot of promos for that show on TV, mm -hmm. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. 2018 was not only an important year for space uh, in general, the space industry and space exploration, but I feel it was probably the most important year ever, and we'll get into why in this show, for yeah. UFOs as well. It's been an extraordinary year. So what we'll do is we'll kind of go one at a time what we think uh, is a great – and let's start off with what we think is the biggest story, and then we'll keep going because it's hard for me to even determine which one I think is the biggest out of out of the group that I have here. But we'll keep going around, and um, so we'll let Lee go first since you all are right. the guest. And to be honest, out of mine, uh, all of them are news related to the Pentagon program except for one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, well, it's funny for, for, because for me, the year started out and then continued with what was, of course, the biggest UFO story of 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole revelation by the New York Times that the Pentagon right. had been secretly studying UFOs for several years. And, and that story lingered throughout 2018. And many of us are still waiting for more film evidence to be released by the government so it it hasn't gone away like so many other stories have this thing is right there still right up there near the top for me mm -hmm. so Absolutely. that's your number one story well no it, it's it's not the number one story it, it although although the number one story maybe for me um it's funny because I started on my list and this was, I just numbered this as number one, but then when I got all the way down to the end, the, I came up with, of course, this other fascinating offshoot of that 2017 New York Times piece about the Pentagon UFO studies. What's still floating around is the idea that there's a lot of competition out there now among UFO researchers and scientists over the analysis of alleged fragments or pieces from UFOs. Mm. This this is a very big story, and and even I recently had a unique opportunity to see and to hold some reportedly real UFO material that's being analyzed now by scientists, and they're not yet ready to go public with their amazing findings, but they will. And I can say that that I can say that with really total certainty because I was there in their laboratory. And and on that particular note, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at more to come, but it's going to be amazing when they do release their information, their findings, and they're going to release it to everybody. They're not going to hold back. They're not going to ask for money. They're going to release it to science and say, here's what we've come up with. We We can conclude very definitely that some of these fragments were not naturally formed and that they were manufactured by someone, and we sure would like to know who did the manufacturing and for what purpose. So that's going to be amazing when that finally happens. Now, is this analysis um, mm -hmm. related at all or being looked at by uh, 
to the Stars Academy, so Tom DeLonge's group and the group that says they're doing all this analysis. No. Uh, the, these are separate individuals wow. who, who who have nothing to do with with Tom DeLonge or the To the Stars, and 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 basically, I, I I'm a witness to the fact that they can see without giving it away too much. Uh, they will be able to conclude that some of these fragments are not from Earth because this has of, nothing of, to do with Bigelow. Uh, no, nothing to do. With, no, not even with with Robert Bigelow. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. So and and I want to summarize just so people know what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. there's to the Stars Academy, which was started essentially by Tom DeLong, which includes a lot of these uh, retired defense intelligence people, including Luis Elizondo, who ran this right. program that was revealed in this New York Times article in December. And in that article, Louise said that they had some sort of material um, right. that was stored by Robert Bigelow, who runs Bigelow right. Aerospace, and that this was anomalous material that they were going to look into. And then as time went on, some of the stories related to this that we came out with this year is that, um, that they were forming a partnership uh, with Earth Tech, this other company where they're going to be looking at and analyzing materials that may be anomalous. There was even hints that maybe they had found something anomalous. Of course, we had Chris Cogswell on the show, and he's he's got a, a bit of frustration because he feels that, you know, to make a statement like that is really yeah. bold. And there are a number of steps you have to complete. In his eyes, you have to prove that it's manufactured, that it's man, it's The manufacturing process is technology that we could not have done, that it's beyond Mm -hmm. uh, our capability. Mm -hmm. And of course, that the material is not from this planet. So uh, he feels that that, that's too high of a bar that anybody could meet. And we've kind of have Elizondo more recently walking back his comments a little bit, saying that they don't know that they found anything yet and that uh, they're being careful to not put, uh, just like he said, the the cart before the horse, that they're doing mm-hmm. their due diligence to make sure they have some solid evidence before they come out with it. So uh, that's extraordinary to hear that, first of all, you know, To the Stars is doing this work and potentially might have something, and now you have another lead on another source. Well, you know, I've, I've always, historically for myself, I've always been dubious about claims that people have fragments or pieces of UFOs that either had crashed or exploded, but but in fact these kinds of things did happen. Um, one one famous case that, that comes to mind is, I believe it was 1957 over Ubatuba, Brazil, a seaside community. Something came streaking out of the sky and it exploded and it showered the the water the 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 community the land i mean pieces of it were all over the place so before even the authorities could get there people were snatching stuff up you know so it's not impossible that pieces are legitimately from something that's un, unexplainable uh and this is just one case that comes to mind and i i held and i looked at pieces from this uba tuba case um but that's not even the, the bigger part of the story it's it's okay fine you've got fragments of something that you don't know what the something was how do you analyze it 
so that science really doesn't know what to make of this. Well, you have to come up with new technologies that can analyze this stuff, and that's exactly what these scientists that I am now aware of have done. They have come up with brand new technology. I've been there. I've seen it. I have photographed it. It's, it's incredible what they can do now. It, it took my breath away. So, Lee, can you give us detail, any more details on this? Or th- This didn't actually come from the, um, from the Brazil crash, did it? Or can you tell us oh, where, where it came from? Some of, some of the pieces, I mean, uh, what they brought on this particular day to the laboratory uh, was a, a, a huge collection of pieces that supposedly came from UFOs from around the world going back to the 1940s. A lot, a lot of stuff. I was holding this stuff in my hands in special containers. Um, and that was just, I kept, I kept saying to uh, my co-producer, James, I kept saying, please, pinch me. I can't believe we're witnessing this. This is just amazing. And, and these people who were doing this research are being very private now and and we're not letting the information out at, at this point as to who they are because at any point they could just decide to say no we're done we're not going any further with this because we don't trust anybody so i'm i'm okay with that and i don't mean to tease you or to tease the audience but at this point uh, the tease is all that i can offer because it will come out and and nothing will be hidden because they want this information to come out And they want to share it with science, and they want to give it to everybody who is a believer or total skeptic or debunker. They want people to say, here, take this information that we've just created. Now come up with your own analysis based on it, and let us know what you you know. Is there going to be more information about this material in the documentary? Oh, yes. Wow. Yes, we've, we've actually already filmed that segment. Yes. So that's some big news right there. That's the biggest news of 2019 when it comes to <laughs> well, UFOs now. Well, well, I'm hoping that it will be because I think that anything to do with fragments, this, you know, this this harkens back to the the story of Bob Lazar and you know who claims that he actually worked on and went inside a flying saucer at Area 51. Uh, this this is this is kind of on that level, I think, because now we're talking about fragments that can be analyzed to prove they weren't manufactured here. That's a big story, I think. That um, is a big story. That's a yeah. really big deal. You know, and I'm not saying to you or to the audience or anybody else, any scientists out there listening in, I'm not saying take my word for it. Don't believe anything I say. I'm just saying be patient. Be patient because I, I believe eventually, if it wasn't these people that I've that I've witnessed this from, if it wasn't them, it would be someone else who I believe will eventually come out with this kind of proof. Well, I and, hope so. The bar yeah. is so high that I'm not. I'm. I'm still very skeptical. I hope so, and I know. Yeah. And yeah. but I do want to say to the audience um, who may not be as familiar with your work, you know, mm-hmm. Lee wrote for the Huffington Post uh, for for many years, and AOL, and, and many news organizations. And there's many conversations that we've had where 
credibility is really important and uh, that, you know, people did not meet that high bar that you even needed as a journalist. So uh, just how significant it is for you to be saying this right now, uh, to me, is very important. It means that it, it, it's a higher level of credibility. It's more than we've heard, really, from To The Stars. So that's that's really interesting. Well, I appreciate that. And like I say, the experience that I had going to this place, and I won't even say where it was, uh, it was quite obvious that there was there's a lot of money behind this research. Wow. Totally funded, yeah. Just to look at the equipment that they're using to do the analysis is just mind-blowing. That's all well, I Well, we're say. out of time for this this first segment, so we're going to have to go to break, and then we'll change the subject here so to get back onto the topic for 2018. But uh, no doubt we will be revisiting this, and, and Mr. Lee Spiegel's claims most likely we'll, we'll need to wait till the documentary comes out, so hopefully that won't be too long. Right, right. But... Uh, we've got to go to break now, and then we'll be back to talk more about some of the top stories of 2018. For those of you listening to the podcast, you'll just hear a short musical interlude. For the rest of you, you'll hear a commercial. But we'll be right back with Lee Spiegel and Martin Willis talking year in review for 2018. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I know we were just talking about an extremely interesting topic, but we got to move on because I think we have a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. So we're talking about the year in review in 2018, and now it is your turn, Mr. Willis, to tell us what is your top story for the year. Well, I actually agree with uh, what Lee just said about, I think, uh, the interesting story of 2018 is that UFOs have been taken more seriously. Um, the year shows basically the after effects of, um, you know, the December 16th, uh, 2017 New York Times article, um, you know, in the news media, for the most part, because, you know, there's no ridicule. It, it seems to kind of have vanished for the, like I said, for the most part, you really don't hear, you know, the X-Files intro music as often as you used to whenever they're talking about UFOs. And uh, that article actually, um, again, as Lee said, it, it spawned over 130 um, news shows in particular that started in December and they kept trickling on into 2018. And also um, starting basically at the end of January, I mean, at the end of uh, December and into January of this year, the former U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor came forward and he did several interviews. And I think that's a big deal because, uh, you know, um, he is a, a U.S., a retired U.S. Navy pilot. And he was actually talking about this publicly. And, you know, he claims that he was at the controls of an F-A-18F fighter Um and flying off of San Diego, this was back in 2004, um, and, and he um, intercepted an object that looked like the 40-foot-long Tic Tac candy. Um, he talked about that it uh, accelerated rapidly and disappeared, and a whole bunch of other details. 
And uh, again, this is a former U.S. Navy pilot talking about this freely on the news, you know, many interviews. Also, of course, Luis Elizondo, who ran ATIP um, and from 2007 to 2012. He spoke out a lot about this last year. I went to a MUFON convention when he was there. I got to meet him and talk to him. He's a great guy. And uh, I think one of the key things that he said and was most notable is, um, and I'm quoting here, my personal belief is that there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone, unquote. And uh, that was uh, from a CNN interview, and that just kind of circulated a lot. I mean, that was, uh, again, a big deal. And more recently, in a George Knapp interview, he said there is much more to come in 2019. So I'm pretty excited about that. I also wanted to say that uh, a seasoned reporter, Headley Burrell, I don't know if you remember him, or Lee, you may know who that is. No, um, I don't. Uh, from, uh, I think he was in the Washington Post for years, many years ago. And uh, he wrote a very interesting article in the Herald Tribune in June, on June 10th of this year. And the title of that was, In This Time of Tension and Anxiety, UFOs Are Back in the News. And he goes on to say, Long ago, as a young reporter, I was well aware of UFOs. Out of curiosity, I read mainstream media pieces as well as tabloid tales. What repeatedly struck me was, as much as else in life, we were reluctant to simply accept that we didn't immediately know the answer to the mystery of the moment. In any event, I would not have ma imagined that some six decades later, UFO stories would still be around with heavily credentialed experts weighing in. And he goes on to say that um, there, the new spin on it is that it's serious this time. And no matter um, where it, you know, it goes, um, it's definitely a... Uh, serious subject at this time all due to uh, people with uh, with high credentials taking the subject seriously. That's the difference between then and now. Yeah, there was a story in the Washington Post that the headline was, you know, UFOs are now serious, a serious topic uh, because of uh, a rock star, Tom DeLong, And uh, that was a great article. Oh, yeah. But I think what was important was that headline that UFOs are taken seriously now. Um, so I want to get to my first one because the reason why I think we can't talk about ATIP just too broadly is because we'll lose all of the significant events that happened inside of the year related to this. Um, mm -hmm. So Lee brought up one, you know, this material. Then he dropped a bomb on us that he has looked at some material and has heard from mm -hmm. some scientists that they think it's it's uh, anomalous. Uh you know, you've brought the great point that uh, overall this has all brought uh, made the topic more serious. But one thing, one piece of news, I guess that I would put on top of uh, all of these this year came in May, and most of these are George Knapp stories. George Knapp is breaking all the latest greatest news, and that was his story that was called um, "Documents." secret study based in Nevada and I kind of blame him and I should joke around with him and talk to him about this that he kind of buried the lead because the leads were not that these documents came out the, the big stories were twofold was that ATIP was not the organization the group that Luis Elizondo worked with was not the organization that got that 20 million dollars right. that instead it was a different organization called 
the Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Application Program, which uh, the acronym is AAWSAP, so we've been calling it AWSAP. They're the ones who got the money. And not only that, when they got the money, it was in order to investigate Skinwalker Ranch. Mm, right. On top of that, right. and this is what's crazy about it, uh, is that a senior manager of Bigelow Aerospace, and Bigelow, uh, for people who, who may know, in the 90s is when Bigelow started investigating the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, which lots of paranormal activity was supposedly happening at. Um, it kind of stopped around 2000. And so eventually they let George Knapp and uh, Colm Kelleher, the lead scientist, write this book in 2005. That inspired uh, some people to come forward, or at least an individual from the DIA, to come look at um, Skinwalker Ranch. This person had their own paranormal experience, went back to Washington and spoke to Harry Reid and said, Hey, I know you know about this stuff. We need to study this stuff. The government needs to study uh, this paranormal activity. And that's what it was, not just UFOs, but paranormal activity. And so that's what got the funding. And in fact, this bass, this Bigelow senior manager said that they were studying more than UFOs, but, uh, quote, a whole panoply of diverse activity that included bizarre creatures, poltergeist activity, mm-hmm. invisible mm-hmm. entities, orbs of lights, animal and human injuries, and much more. It went on to say that whatever this is is deceptive and is fooling humanity and jacking with us. And I mean, holy crap, it wasn't UFOs they spent that $22 million on. It was <laughs> a whole gamut of paranormal research. Amazing. Isn't that wild? I don't think that the public has completely digested that. Then luckily, you know, soon after that, Jeremy Corbell came out with his documentary on Skinwalker Ranch that brought some more visibility to it with some great reporting and footage from uh, from George Knapp, who uh, I'm just, you know, I think we're all a huge fan of. Uh, to me, I, I think that was probably the news that has been hardest to digest that hasn't been fully digested yet and probably the biggest OMG WTF moment out of all of this. Yes, I, I agree. And and the reason mm-hmm. I agree with you about this is because without <laughs> without giving more of the details away yet, because I'm still involved with the documentary, but um several months ago, um you mentioned Harry Reid who was once the most powerful man in the Senate as the majority the Senate majority leader in a in a private meeting with Harry Reid, James Fox and I learned from Harry Reid about more about Skinwalker Ranch than than has come out yet, and, and that his passion for wanting science to study this, and in fact, not only is he interested in the Skinwalker Ranch and all the, the paranormal goings on there, but he even hinted that. Skinwalker Ranch is only one of many places like that around the world. And he thinks that this stuff has to be studied scientifically. People can't just keep burying their heads in the sand over this stuff. Uh, Again, this was one of those encounters that I had last year in which I kept saying to to James, pinch me. I can't believe we're talking to Harry Reid about this stuff. 
It's like, are you kidding? Well, that's it. You know, that reminds me of another part of this story because this story yeah. was so rich and it was so much more than the headline kind of led, uh, which was that a major faction, and Luis Elizondo came out and wrote about this uh, more afterwards, and uh, George Knapp even referred to Nick Redfern, who I interviewed on this yeah, a, yeah. a bit more, but a major faction uh, that opposed and was very influential on closing down this whole investigation was uh, this, this religious faction within the government who feels that it, it's related to Satan, and so we can't look right. into it. And <laughs> right, uh, right. Alessandro says, even these people, are, they're people I respect. They just have a different point of view, and we have to respect their point of view. Uh, he just said, I just disagree with it. And so uh, when it did close down, that's when A-Tip started. That's when Luis Elizondo's kind of program took over, but that's why he said he really kept under the radar because he didn't want to grab the oh, yeah, attention yeah. Of, of this faction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's, there are all other factions out there too, not just religious. There's, there's so much of this power that's that's divided up around the world. Like, who's really in control of mm. all this stuff that we're that we're talking about? Who's really in control of the information that really does or does not come out to the public? Who makes these decisions for what we're told and what we're not told? That's a big question that I always have. Mm. Right, right. And are there? compartmentalized or, or what is it and you know the Alejandro one one thing on this I can understand UFOs the study and in looking into UFOs because of the aviation uh, safety and security in general but um, why the other paranormal well why would because they look here's why and I Nick Redfern actually was very insightful in this in that they want to with the other paranormal uh, Understand the science. If you can understand the science, for instance, uh, if there are portals that mm -hmm. these creatures can create and go through, mm -hmm. how do they do that? And if the military can do that, you know, would we be able to just instead of having to fly, a, you know, a top secret uh, helicopter into bin Laden's encampment? Could we have just opened up a portal and walked <laughs> through that and then grabbed you, yeah. grabbed him and left? So trying to understand those technologies, which was extraordinary. And what Nick Redfern said is some of these guys on the inside, they thought the technology was related to Satan, but they wanted mm. to learn how uh. Satan could do these things so <laughs> we could do them. So Isn't weird. So bizarre. Yeah, it, it, yeah, there's so much going on around us that we just don't know. And and some of us, you know, the three of us, are in a position, to a degree, to to have contacts uh, out there who can who can give us little pieces of the puzzle, so that we can then share it with the public through the things that we do. And I I'm I'm very honored to be part of that. That that at least I feel like someone will tell us something, or you, Alejandro, or you, Martin, on your shows. That you know, we want this information to get out little by little, piece by piece. I'm, uh -huh. I'm glad we, I'm glad we can help in some way to do that. Yep. So more stories. So these stories we're talking about in 2018 did that certainly. So, Lee, it's your turn. What's your second story? <clears throat> I found a really interesting story. I don't know if either of you have heard this. This was from uh, July 26, 2018, uh, a Washington D.C news radio station called WTOP, they printed a report that included a video 
that spotlighted a man who's a, a retired Air Force, Colonel David Shea. Have either oh, yeah. of you heard about this guy? You know about yes. David Shea? He's like 90 For, years old or something, yeah. He's, he's like 80 or, or so, yes. From, from 1967 to 1971, he was the Air Force UFO spokesperson at the Pentagon. In fact, he was the man who wrote the 1969 news release that announced the end of Project Blue Book. Right. Yeah. Wow. Which, which, you know, for the audience, for all intents and purposes, this uh, his news release basically said the United States government washed its hands completely of all things related to UFOs. But we now know, you know, going back to the 2017 New York Times piece, their hands weren't completely washed on this subject. And, and in this WTOP report, Colonel Shea said, and this is a quote, he said, the UFOs never seem to go away. I love that sentence. Now, he did, he, his whole master's degree thesis was about how the Air Force handled UFO reports. And this is what he wrote in his thesis. He said, the story of the UFOs and the Air Force is essentially, it's a tale of a credibility gap that's wider than the Grand Canyon. During its more than 20-year history of investigating flying saucers, the Air Force has been accused of almost every conceivable sin and had been guilty of most, end mm. quote. <laughs> what was this That's guy's great. name? Uh, his uh, name is, is Colonel, Colonel David Shea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he wrote that 69 news release ending Project Blue Book. Pretty interesting stuff. And wow. and and you can you can you can find you can go online, you can see the interview with him talking about his beliefs. He he doesn't believe that there ever was enough evidence to really substantiate possible visitations from other planets, but he said it's it's the way the data is is presented and it hasn't been presented carefully enough by anybody. Uh, even even uh, our mutual friend John Alexander uh, has always said people are not asking the right questions about UFOs in order to get answers. Mm -hmm. mm. It's all it's all in the way it's reported. Wow! So I'll put links to these stories uh, on Open Minds mm -hmm. and uh, for YouTube in the show notes because uh, this was one I don't think I heard of. I think I missed mm -hmm. this one. So this is extraordinary. Yeah, How it's cool. fascinating to, to see him from just this past uh, July um, talking on camera very openly and freely. In fact, one of the things he holds in, in the interview is is it says on the front Project Blue Book, and it's a gigantic book. <laughs> He's thumbing through the pages of Project Blue Book and just you know talking about it. It's really, really fascinating to just look at this guy because I had never heard of him before. And he obviously, I mean, my hat's off to the people at WTOP who found him and got him to talk. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, cool. What a great story. That's a really good one. So we'll put that in there. All right. Okay. Good find, Mr. Spiegel. All right. Your turn. <laughs> well, that was great. Yeah, that was really great. Um, so I think it, it was a, a big year in um, aviation and uh, aviation in UFOs. Um, so I'd mm. like to talk a bit about that in 2018 and one that seemed to happen uh, that happened on November 9th, 2018. And yes. Ireland yes. seemed to make most the most news, yes. mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's important to note that the details are similar in some respects to the sightings over Oregon, which that actually happened in uh, late 
2017, uh, but F-15 fighters were scrambled in that incident. Uh, one also happened in Arizona with Learjet and an Airbus on February 24th, uh, 2018. And uh, one in New York also um, on May 26th of this year, and that was with a Piper, uh, Piper uh, Saratoga. And so this is actually, um, you know, going to the war zone. I know you've interviewed uh, Tyler Rogaway. Um, he does these stories also with uh, uh, Joseph Trevithick. I don't know exactly how to pronounce his last name. Well, the Irish incident happened in the pre-dawn hours of November 9th of this year. And it was about 45 minutes before sunrise in at least three different airliners flying over the coast of southwestern Ireland reported seeing multiple unidentified objects flying near them at incredible speeds. Uh, following the reports uh, from a small number of aircraft on Friday on November 9th of unusual air activity, the IAA, which is the Irish Aviation Authority, has filed a report. Um, they said this report will be investigated under the normal and confidential um, investigation uh, process. And there was also uh, publicly available audio of the conversation between the passengers of the planes, uh, passenger, I'm sorry, the passenger planes and Shannon Flight Information Region uh, air traffic controllers. Um, they offer more detail of what happened. And uh, so basically it goes back and forth. There's nothing showing on either primary or secondary radar. Um, and then uh, they, uh, one pilot, I think he comes on and says, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that saw this, or I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, oh, glad it wasn't just me. Um, he chimed in. And uh, so there was a third individual. It's unclear um, that uh, I think they were on board a Speedbird 94 or uh, something like that. And um, they considered it could be astronomical. And it looked like it was speeding at something like Mach 2. Uh, two times the speed of sound, something like that. And so when they reach out to authorities for a comment and more information regarding this incident, uh, they received the following reply, quote, the defense forces do not disclose their operational procedures for <laughs> operational security reasons. This incident is a matter for the Irish Aviation Authority. And that's as far as it went, as far as I know at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, and, you know, and I... Can mm -hmm. I add one little yeah. thing to that? What I what I especially liked about this story is is anybody can go online and you can find you can actually uh, listen to the conversation between the pilots and the control center, mm -hmm. and that's great. Yeah, there were several stories like that that Tyler Rogaway and 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 uh, the group over at uh, the War Zone on the Drive had written about and i did interview him in april and you know he said he felt more empowered to write about this topic because of the pentagon uh, story in the the new york times from december and he went on to say that he said everybody in aviation is interested in ufos and he said oh, yeah. if there's anybody mm. who tells you they're not they're lying that's what he went so far as to say that wow yeah. So, 
uh, there were several stories he wrote about at the time. I know one of his favorites, and I think it is the best case that he wrote about, is this one over California and Oregon, where he was just astonished the amount of material he was able to get uh, from the government, from the FAA and from these uh, flight towers. But this one was caught on radar, you know, traveling these incredible speeds. Several pilots had seen it. Uh this this object that uh, over um, the airport in Oregon. So that's another great case. Yeah, we'll link to those. But I agree with you. That was one of my um, other notes are these stories, uh, uh, these aviation stories. And it seems like, uh, and I'd like to hear what you guys think. It's not that these stories, it, all of a sudden these aircraft are having uh, interactions with ufos i think it's more of a case that all of a sudden serious journalists who have at least more access than the rest of us like rokeaway who has this experience working in the defense world uh, are able to get this information that we've never been able to get before like you said lee like these audio files of these pilots in the oh, middle of these encounters can can i add something to that yeah and what you know what you've you only got a said- minute uh, oh, okay. Then um, let's do it after the break because I want to tell about this story that that uh, Martin already started to talk about, but it's a bigger story, I think, mm. uh, than we all than we even know about. Okay, that right, sounds just, great. Yeah. Uh, just for the last second here, someone had sent me a, a supposed video from the cockpit that had taken a video, but I I just couldn't confirm it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not aware of any video. Uh, yeah out there but certainly any listeners who are aware of some video even if you're not sure if it's real or not send it our way and we'll do our best to see if we can verify that or not but let's go ahead and take a break so we are here with martin willis and lee spiegel talking about the best stories uh, related to ufos in 2018 an extraordinary year i mean any one of these things we've talked about would be a huge deal um, if but all in combined, and I know on my list I've got some some big whoppers here still. So we'll talk about some of those when we get back from the break. We'll be right back. To Open Mind UFO Radio, I am your host Alejandro Rojas. I am here with Martin Willis of Podcast UFO, Lee Spiegel working on his secret UFO documentary with James Fox, and uh, Lee, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about these aviation cases, and you said you had a good right. one you wanted to share with us. Well, Martin brought this one up as, as one of his favorites from 2018 about uh, when he said May 26 um, over New York. And what I love about this case, it, it was a pilot. He was flying over Huntington, New York. And coincidentally, I was on the Long Island Expressway today coming to my apartment. 
apartment in Queens, and I drove right past Huntington. Uh, so I <laughs> kind of knew about this sighting. But on, on May 26, at about 1 o'clock in the, mor- in the afternoon, a pilot called Kennedy Airport and reported seeing an unidentified object in front of his plane at about 6,000 feet in altitude. And again, like what I love about these sightings, you can go online and hear the conversation between the pilot and someone at Kennedy Air Traffic Control. So the pilot said he didn't know what the object was, and the controller suggested it was a drone, but it didn't show up on radar. When the pilot asked if he could make a left turn and then was given the okay, he then reported that the object moved behind his plane and disappeared into clouds. So then when he told the controller that the object also had lights on it, he was given a special telephone number and instructed to call it after he landed and someone would be waiting for his call. When the pilot asked the controller, and again, you can hear this conversation online, it's great. When the pilot asked the controller if he would get into trouble for making this phone call, he was assured that would not be the case. Wow. Like, I love this case. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Wow. You know, I, I think the whole aviation thing, it's not so much that the UFOs are, are buzzing around the air, airplanes, but pilots are starting to talk about it. And for some reason, we're able to go online and hear these conversations. Like, nobody's trying to hide this. Yeah, I think it comes back to what Martin was saying. It's just... It really has changed. UFOs are okay yeah. now. They're not uh, just complete, you know, silliness. At least n- less and less people are, are considering it that. Yeah. Extraordinary. And, and in that, in that uh, article I, I was reading about that, it said that the FAA was invest- investigating it. And I, I thought they'd never investigated anything like that. That's what they oh. say. They don't investigate things like that. However, I mean, uh, we know that there have been times where they have looked into incidents like this, but unfortunately have not been forthcoming with, you know, real information. Chicago right. here, for instance, comes to mind. They looked into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they weren't willing to really share much except for to debunk it. So, right. Alejandro, Alejandro, what's your next one? Ooh, my next one. So this is related. My okay. next one, of course, is still A-tip related, but uh, kind of <laughs> okay. related to everything getting more serious. But this is the extraordinary uh, amount of attention the government is now taking uh, looking into UFOs. And yeah. a lot of people have been frustrated with To The Stars, and they've said, well, they keep promising us promising us information and we don't get it to which i just like you know put palm to face because it's like are you kidding i mean the materials that we just talked about that's something new they've talked about this whole link to skinwalker that's something new uh that they have not had a lot of information but at least lou elizondo has, has not been shy to address these things but as Lewis said, at least to, to some of us and me, I guess, a little bit behind the scenes, but he's also said this more recently, that a big part of what they're trying to do is, like he said, grease the wheels within the government so that the people who should be releasing information are releasing information. Um, this really kind of started in May. I've got a story on this, and it's kind of funny because uh, the writer is from Politico. His name is Brian Bender, and he tweeted just recently that he's become a darling of the UFO community. And (laughs) it's because he wrote an article the same day 
that the New York Times did. He came out with an article about the A-tip. But then also he was covering this U.S. House science, uh, this, this space essentially uh, conference that was going on with a bunch of companies. And they had this uh, roundtable, these interviews that Politico was doing, and they were interviewing members of the House subcommittee uh, on space um, and uh, some other people uh, involved with space policy making. And they, he asked about UFOs. He asked, you know, is it more credible? Is it okay to talk about UFOs now? And immediately, the representative from the House came up and said, yeah, this is really interesting stuff. I even went mm. to the head of the subcommittee to say, hey, shouldn't we look into this? And then one of the other members uh, who was there, he's a ranking member uh, of the House uh, Subcommittee on Space, and he the first guy was a Republican, Ami Berra. Second guy is a, or I mean, a Democrat. I'm sorry, from California, who brought this up and was really enthusiastic. The second guy was a Republican who said, "Yeah, he thinks it's worthwhile." And then there was another lady there who is part of this uh, committee on science, space, and technology that helps advise the president. And she said yes, that she felt it was also something worth looking into. Uh, soon after that, we had an article from Nick Pope. In The Guardian, Nick Pope, of course, he worked for the U.K. government, and he kind of broke down how the Defense Intelligence Agency has been briefed, and he linked to an article that proves that. Uh, he talked about these, these subcommittees, you know, actually briefing or debriefing um, some of the witnesses that Elizondo had worked with. Uh, on the House and the Senate side, looking into this. And then soon after that, I did an interview with Chase Kletsky, who's like the uh, head of you know UFO investigations for MUFON. And she said she also had the opportunity to do a five-minute presentation uh, at the Capitol. She wasn't uh, <clears throat> specific about who she talked to, but it was some subcommittee. And so this is extraordinary that we have congressional subcommittees from space to defense, all, you know, having discussions about UFOs behind the scenes. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. And among the things that David Fravor, Commander Fravor, told uh, James Fox and I when we went up to his home in New Hampshire to interview him, uh, he said that he's been in touch with several members of the uh, the Senate Armed, um, what is it, the Armed Services Committee? Uh-huh. Uh, and he, 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 he said that they have talked with him on numerous occasions about what he experienced back in 2004. Wow. And, he, and he assured us, he said, without giving you more details, that's what he said to us, without giving you more details, the same kind of things that we experienced in 2004 are now going on off the East Coast this time. And he wouldn't tell us any more about it. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I spoke with uh, Chase recently, Chase uh, Klotsky, and she basically said that um, she's involved with some uh, public figure, and I just was trying to pull it up, um, that a former government agent that they are actually forming a UFO think tank. Um, ah, really? And uh, yeah, and they're taking it totally serious. And uh, I think it's a group of... Uh, Five or more, but fairly, you know, we're talking scientists as well. Um, and I think there's some type of uh, connection to MUFON, but I don't know exactly. So I, 
I, I don't really want to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. get that wrong. I would yeah. love to, I'd love to know more about that. So this is really mm-hmm. interesting. What will result is what's really curious. Are they going to um, maybe share more about what ATIP is up to? And, of course, mm-hmm. like I referenced, ATIP was a group that Luis Elizondo ran at the Pentagon. Who And, and Elizondo says that that organization still exists. Um, so they're still doing research and we have really, there was one document and I was going to, well, I might as well mention it. We talked about the Nimitz case cause uh, I think you brought it up, Martin, when you were talking about, uh, you know, Fravor and him talking about his experience. Well, one of the extraordinary news pieces that came from George Knapp is the leaking <laughs> of an actual analysis, a actual document, um, that, uh, I've gotten from several different sources, let alone just a uh, nap that was written by the military for the military about that encounter. And um, that's the only piece of really information we have from ATIP. We don't have any of their reports or analysis or anything like that. So hopefully maybe they'll share more of that. Maybe they'll, what if they decide to become more public facing with this organization what would that entail i did ask elizondo at some point he didn't mind if i shared this i asked well what if they do that what if they ask you to come back and and start to do more serious investigation and give you more funding would you do that he said no he hesitated a bit he said no because he wants to make sure that what he's doing going forward is very open and that the public can see everything uh, that they're doing that is very transparent so he feels like what they're doing at to the stars is much more transparent but uh who knows i guess that could be a possibility it's interesting to see where this might lead mm-hmm. yeah good stuff well your turn again mr spiegel Oh, my turn. Uh, here's a cute little one I found. Um, on on June 21st, during a Buffalo, New York TV weather report on TV uh, called WKBW in, in Buffalo, the meteorologist pointed out something that was from one of their time-lapse cameras. And and they showed her. She stopped her weather the the regular weather report to say, look at what one of our cameras picked up. And you see in the background a lot of cloud cover. You see the horizon, and uh, from the horizon, and they stopped the the camera so you, or the film so you could see. She said, see right there in front of that cloud, way off in the distance, there was a bright orb of light that just suddenly appeared in front of some clouds. And all of a sudden, it started moving toward the camera, and and. As Doctor Doctor, as Commander Fravor said, the Tic Tac did, did. This thing came at the camera and then very quickly shot out of sight. And they showed this on during the weather report. And and I went back and I watched it a couple of times. And it was whatever it was. It was pretty cool to see. Um, wow. You know, and the, no, nobody tried to figure out what it was. Or there was no explanation. But like there it was during the weather report for all to see. I like that. It was it was a good one. Hmm. That's, That's interesting. I, I was just contacted the other day by someone that said, "Boy, if there's a way you can get this clip on CNN," he said, "If it wasn't a UFO, I don't know what the heck it was." And you know, nobody called nobody called it out, and uh, he gave quite the detail of what he thought he saw. What network did you say that was? That was uh, CNN. 
Lee. She was watching CNN and news. Yeah, CNN. the thing that I saw was um, up in um, Buffalo, New York. The, the name of the station is WKBW. Hmm. I think right. I, I think it's a, uh, I, I, I think it may be an affiliate of ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I mean, it was you could tell it was it was a real live, media, uh, you know, weather report, and they they thought it was interesting enough to stop the report to show whatever this thing was that their own camera picked up coming yeah. at them. <laughs> it was great. We'll have to take a look at that one because, well, well, yeah, I'll have to take a look. It's just I know. Uh, those cameras can be tricky because they uh, getting into Mark D'Antonio mode, like we. Are <laughs> yes, that, that's right. Uh oh. Because Analyze. that the uh, <laughs> the way things look when like at night with with weather cameras, it bugs and things can reflect, and especially if they're closer, they will reflect the IR from the camera if it has an IR or if it has a light. And so, for instance, you know, in a dark area, when one thing is lit, it's going to light up really bright. It's something, of course, we do, Martin and I know, when we're doing our podcast, or you, when you're shooting your documentary. um, That's one way you get, you know, dramatic looks by having a dark background that is in the distance and then something lit uh, in the foreground. So that can happen a lot. It's just, I've seen a lot of these, and I know I've seen a few of these this year um, that uh, were effects like that. But it's fun, I think, when the news captures things like that and they get really excited about it. Yeah, yeah they actually they, 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 yeah, they weren't trying to put it down or ridicule it or make fun of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Martin, let's move to your next one. Okay, well, I, th- I think this was a pretty big story and it, uh, it wasn't that long ago. Um, Harvard researchers see alien potential in mysterious object. That's the title. And this is, of course, um, headlines about a paper that was submitted to the Astrophysical Journal Letters. Um, So the mysterious cigar-shaped object spotted tumbling through our solar system last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth. Um, That's kind of, uh, you know, in one of the articles, uh, this kind of goes on. Uh, But the object nicknamed Amuamua, Um, which means a messenger that reaches out from the distant past um, in Hawaiian, was discovered back in October 2017 um, by the PanSTARRS-1 telescope in Hawaii. Um, Since its discovery, though, uh, scientists have been at odds to explain its unusual features and precise origins, uh, with researchers first calling it a comet, then an asteroid, before finally deeming it the first of its kind, a new class of interstellar objects. And uh, the paper by the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics raised the possibility that the elongated dark red object, which is 10 times as long as it is wide and traveling at speeds of 196,000 miles an hour, which I think is incredible, Mm. might have an artificial origin. Um, So it was... um, Origin. (laughs) <laughs> um, Avi Loeb and uh, Frank Bailey Jr. Um, advanced two possibilities for the object's origin, that it is debris from a now-defunct craft tumbling through the galaxy or that it was launched as a sort of recon- reconnaissance uh, probe from elsewhere in the gal- galaxy. And while he acknowledged that other astronomers, including the researcher who discovered 
uh, Oumuamua have dismissed those ideas. Loeb said such debates are important, are an important part of the scientific process. And while alien life may once have been strictly science fiction, he points out to a growing body of evidence suggesting we are not alone. Uh, we know a quarter of all the stars in the galaxy have planets in the habitable zone of habitable. their host star. In the habitable zone of their host star. Uh, so it's uh, to him it was not impossible that there may be life elsewhere. By far the most intriguing observation, Loeb said, suggested that Amuamua was not just accelerating but deviating from its expected trajectory. And there is no apparent um, outcasting like comets have uh, that can cause such a deviation. So anyway, um, his hope is that um, if next time around something like that uh, comes through, that uh, people will be more intrigued and will do everything they can to figure out what exactly it is. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was a big story because mm -hmm. of uh, the way it was published and who published it. Mm -hmm. I think that nice. that's nice. been extraordinary in the last well recently that we've had i mean with tabby star this this you know um star that they observe you know strange dimming and i don't think there still is consensus as to why that's happening but the scientists who wrote up that paper suggested a potential extraterrestrial origins um, right in this case i think it's highly highly speculative but still it demonstrates um, how the culture is changing, I think, among uh, astronomers and astrophysicists in that they are being bold enough to um, suggest extraterrestrial possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think, and in particular, extraterrestrial civilizations, that is a huge step, too. I think that is so cool, so interesting. I mean, more recently, we have this article from uh, what his name was, Columbo. He did this uh, talk at the SETI conference where he suggested that hey maybe some of these ufos do come from elsewhere just because physically humans wouldn't be able to travel what about robots or what about evolved oh, robots right. yeah and mm -hmm. what if they came here and and one of these probes crashed on our planet or another planet these are things that we should investigate because the possibility exists um incidentally i guess there's uh some of you may know the scientific coalition for ufology I ho hopefully they won't mind me sharing this but uh they had reached out to him and he's really pulled back he was so um kind of devastated by his work being misrepresented especially in the uk tabloids <clears throat> that he doesn't even want to talk about any of this anymore which is really sad Wow. But still, that more scientists are going there, and hopefully they don't have an experience like him where their work just gets totally blown out of proportion. And But, uh, yeah, I think that's a big shift in the culture when it comes to those, these scientists. There you go. There you go. Yep, All right. I agree. A couple more stories because we're running out of time. And uh, the first one, I, there's two that I want to talk about, um, but I'm just going to bring up one for now. Um, okay. And then I want to get your feelings on the other. Um, this next big story, my next big story, since we talked pretty much about all the ATIP stuff, is Project <laughs> Blue Book. To me, oh, the yeah. History Channel tackling Project Blue Book and deciding to represent it 
it's dramatized. It's fiction. You know, Martin and I, we talked about this. In fact, somebody accused us of just being one big, long commercial. It's not a big, long commercial. <laughs> it's significant because this is going to have an effect on millions of viewers, millions of people. It's already having an effect on their perceptions when it comes to UFOs and the Air Force's investigation of UFOs, which wasn't black and white, cut and dry as all of us know there was a lot of mystery mystery in those cases and there was not a consensus that these were all mundane objects and i think that's going to come out in this program especially because the lead character who's very likable played by aiden gillen is dr mm-hmm. j allen Hynek, who lee you've got to meet but um He's he comes across as a, just a very likable person, and I think that he's going to be mm-hmm. somewhat of a hero uh, in this show, where people are going to look up and they're going to be tending to gravitate towards his opinions and ideas about this topic, and be looking into real cases. And Lee, I don't know if you heard my uh, interview from last week of of Paul Hynek. But I did ask him on the air if, if he remembered you when he was a kid mm. coming into the yeah. house, and he did remember yeah. you. The, wow. the, 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 the thing that I have, have heard about uh, this upcoming series is, is that I think part of the promotion is that they're, they're giving the impression that Dr. Hynek was like the, the, the leader of Project Blue Book, that you know, he was the guy that was brought in to lead the investigations. But that's, that's not true. Now, you've, you've seen a couple of the episodes. Uh, do they give that impression about him? Not, really. not at all. No. Yeah. In fact, okay. I've seen the first well, six good. episodes. Yeah. Martin's oh. seen the first oh. six. I've seen the first couple. And, and Martin, you can you know correct me and give me your ideas. But, I mean, it's the Air Force that's driving this. And just like in real life, mm-hmm. they bring on Dr. Heineck as a consultant. But, in fact, they're kind of uh, bullying him. They've got one character yeah. that kind of represents the, most of the Air Force people. But, yeah, Martin, your perception? Yeah, they're, they're, they're controlling him. They're, they want to control him. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't want him to look too hard into the topic, into the specific you know, investigations. So they're, they're definitely actually, you know, as far as I got in the six episode screeners there is that, um, you know, they, they want him to just debunk and that's it. And, you know, don't look too hard. Yeah. I would say, you know, that I understand people who want, uh, who are criticizing the, the details, but, um, I think you, you, you just can't do that with fiction in that you're never going to get all the details to be accurate. Look at Close Encounters and what a positive effect that had. Um, it's probably why I'm so compelled to be in this field. Um, it's not accurate. Um, it's fictionalized what, you know, w- what J. Allen Hynek consulted Spielberg about, but uh, it gives you a sense of what was going on. And I think what is good about what the History Channel is doing is they're saying, okay, here's our fiction show that gives you kind of a sense of what was going on. But if you go to our website, we have real articles that are giving you the facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that the, uh, you both um, came away from the episodes feeling that way. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, yeah, I, I really am. So... Uh, I thank you both for for giving me a little preview just from what you've said. And yeah. then finally, I want to ask you guys this real quick. Or did you have something more to say about? No, no, go ahead. Thing? Go ahead. 
The other big thing, of course, that's happened at, at the end of the year that we probably should address is Jeremy Corbell's second documentary of the year on Bob Lazar. Now, I've mm-hmm. seen this. I don't know if you all have. I think, Martin, you have. Yeah. And is it a big story? I think, uh, in a way, it's a story in that what's shocking is even just today, there's this major comedian who tweeted Jeremy and said, you know, hey, great job on the documentary. It's so important. So the um, penetration, I guess, this topic is getting into uh, uh, the mainstream uh, from this documentary. I think it's significant. It's interesting. The guy's name was Dane Cook. Um, oh, got wow. something like oh, yeah. Th- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah over three yeah. million followers. And he retweeted Jeremy Singh and said, hey, you know, he loved it. And so... Culturally, I think it's significant. Now, I don't know if there's anything really compelling and convincing. I think it's great we heard from way more from Lazar than we've ever heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is another pretty big thing, I guess, for this field that's happened at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I agree. And wh- whether everything that he ha- has told over the years is true or not, um, it's still a pretty compelling story because compared to all the other stuff, all the criticism about Lazar and what did he say and was it true, at the very least, if it wasn't for Lazar telling his story to George Knapp back in, what, 1988, 89, right. we might never have heard of a thing called Area 51. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, that, it made it famous. Yeah. And so he at least wasn't lying about that because the government finally said, yeah, okay, there is an Area 51, um, but, but there are no aliens there. But, but even because of that, it was because of the things that Lazar said back then to George, and then George broke the story. Now, now it's in our consciousness, Area 51. That's what's really important and significant to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Martin? Well... You know, I, I watched I watched the documentary, and I, I I came away from it just thinking that I was trying. There was an attempt to convince me, <laughs> or convince the the watcher, the listener, whatever, uh, of of it. And I, I'm still I got to tell you, I'm still on the fence about Bob Lazar. I, I'm it's still a big mystery to me. I I don't really know what to think about it. I am too. I agree with you. I mean, I. Yeah. I felt there were some more, a couple of my questions that I felt were not answered, um, that were answered in the film. Not convincingly, I would say. I mean, I think, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I would say compelling answers, but not necessarily something to knock me off of being on the fence over this. And some people on Twitter, I think just today, were saying, oh, you're talking to Alejandro, who's a believer. And I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm very much on the fence with Lazar. Um, but uh, it was a compelling documentary and it, I, it was really interesting to see more about him and it did give me more to think about. That's for sure about this, this case. And uh, Lee, I think you really got to see it as soon as you can, because it does change the conversation a bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I trust you. And I like Jeremy. I, I like the work that he does. He's, he's very passionate about his work. And I, I believe that Jeremy has a lot of credibility uh, as a filmmaker, so so yeah, I'll I'll definitely watch it. I, I'm looking forward to it. All right, since I snuck in those two last ones, I'll give you guys a chance. You, if you have anything you know really compelling from the last year that you want to add in here before we end, now is your chance. Okay, well you know what? Let me jump 
jump in. There were two videos that I saw, uh, one one from June and then one from July. The one in June shows a black cigar-shaped object yes. hovering horizontally over, of all places, the Nazca lines in Peru. Right. And uh, the, the, a part of the story is that the Peruvian Association of Ufology they uploaded the video on June 27th and described the strange unmoving object and the videographer who took it, he, he kept zooming in and out so that viewers right. could yeah. get a sense of how far away the UFO sat in the sky above some mountains. And, and I, I appreciated that. So that was, that was one cigar shaped, uh, UFO. And then, um, following that on July 7th, a family, reported and they videotaped a black cigar-shaped UFO hovering this time vertically over Banbury in the, U in the UK. And at a approximately one minute into the video, there's suddenly a bright light that moves upward from the bottom of the object, goes all the way up to the top. Uh, yes. be and be before the videographer managed to get his camera focused on the object, he later reported that it was flashing and rotating. Two really interesting cigar-shaped videos, I thought. Yeah, I'm so, familiar um, with these ones. Yeah, mm. um, I, I don't have anything more to comment, except I'd like to comment on the last um, video you're talking about, Lee. Yeah. And uh, what I noticed about that particular video, because you did see the light like go along the side of it but yeah when he was just about closing out just at the very end it appeared to be and nobody mentioned this that there were along the horizontal horizontally along the both sides there seemed to be a, a glowing or a, a light i don't know if you want to check that video out again but um mm, okay. I, I thought nobody even talked about that and i thought that was pretty interesting well, nice. And that was definitely something in the sky for sure. It wasn't oh, yeah. anything made <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, well, yeah, it was interesting. Sorry to be the, the party pooper, but I just feel, in my opinion, the Nazca line one looks like a cloud to me. It looks like, you know, this happens a lot where uh, it's probably even part of a contrail because it's long and skinny, but it looks cloudish to me. I really feel it looks like a, a cloud or probably a piece of contrail. And then the second one, to me, and, and I don't know, to me, I think it, they both clearly look like these. It looks like a solar balloon. Um, and then the UK, that's where solar balloons became big. And uh -oh. the lighter effects are from the wind and, because it's made out of a very thin material. And so it's reflecting the sun. Um, I don't think it's self-luminescent at all. I think it's just reflecting the sun in different ways as it moves around the sky and as the wind makes it the the very thin skin kind of move around. So I know I've, I, yeah. I thought, I thought about that. Um, but I, I, I do want to say that if you get a chance to take a look at that one, um, just look at the end and take a look at what I was mentioning about the lights on both sides. Of yeah. It. I mean, yeah. Well, I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of an aurora, but, uh, Again, I mean, if it's reflecting, and that's more of an effect of the camera than the actual object itself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think so, he just de-Antonioed us. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> these are both ones that I posted. Uh, we've posted in the Open Minds UFO News Group, which I implore everybody to check out because we have a lot of great people in there, including De Antonio, to look at these videos. 
and that uh, people really give them uh, some pretty tough scrutiny, which is great because we want to know. Yes. And of course, you know, sometimes we all agree, sometimes we don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. In fact, everybody disagrees on all of them. But I think, uh, I don't know if it's D'Antonio who chimed in on this. I think he did on that second one especially. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with those conclusions. And the hard part is, like D'Antonio says, if we can't prove otherwise, you know, if there's nothing in there that can really um, prove otherwise, then your null hypothesis is essentially what you got to go with. Nice. So, um, Martin, did can you I have any say, last can... minute? I'm sorry. No, that's it for me. I'm done. I would like to tell the audience that, uh, and this is a plug for Alejandro, mm. Alejandro always posts really interesting headlines on Open Minds TV. And on November 1st of 2018, you had a you had a headline that really caught my attention, the one about how actor Lawrence Fishburne is going to star and produce this eight-part TV UFO drama called Rendlesham. I like that. Yeah, that oh, is yes. a really interesting thing that 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 there'll be a TV show yeah. <laughs> coming up about the Rendlesham Forest incident. <laughs> I know, I know. So that ought to be really interesting. It may not be newsy, but but we are talking about 2018, and that's when you had the, your headline and the story about it. I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that so, is interesting. I agree. Well, thanks for the plug, and sure. that is a good one. Something to look forward to. So... Other things to look forward to is Martin Willis and Podcast UFOs. So I'm sure you're going to have another year of great shows. You're not planning on going anywhere, right, Martin? No, I'm going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. Well, That's a bad. Yeah. And then, of course, Lee, we've got your documentary to look forward to, hopefully in the spring. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah, and me, neither can I, because I want to move on to the next project, but not before I take a, a trip somewhere, just to kind of get it out of my system. <laughs> so. And then most likely all of us will be meeting, and hopefully with, uh, well, with Jeremy, um, and I'll say this right now, at least I've gotten several verbal confirmations that we'll have George Knapp, Luis Elizondo, um, of course, you two will be there, and then hopefully uh, James Fox should be able to make it. We'll be all getting together here in the Phoenix area in September for the International UFO Congress. I can't wow. wait to see Me what neither. that's all going to look like. That'll be amazing. How mm -hmm. friggin' Just, cool. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, we're still we're still working on getting Stan Friedman to make an appearance there. Well, he says he's going to be there, too, so we'll be able to give him a fond farewell because I guess the one thing we didn't mention of this year, and I actually had it noted, is that... Mm -hmm. Um, Stanton Friedman retired in 2018. That's right. Well, that's that's right. That's right. That was a big uh, news item too. But he's he's still. But at least he's he's not taking his suitcase around anymore like he used to. Now and and he's just kind of showing up to to thank people. And I love that. And we we all owe him so much in this field. We do. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, he's an extraordinary person. Um, and we're so lucky to, to work with him. So it's, it's, it would be a lot of fun yeah. to tell him goodbye. Um, and it's really cool that he has, um, been at so many, he's been at many of the last few, yeah, uh, international UFO congresses, even if he mm -hmm. wasn't speaking, although I think always we end up putting him in a, uh, um, panel or something. Yeah. But, yeah. um, 
And one other thing, speaking of Sam Friedman, as I kind of do my uh, other things to look out for, is that at the International UFO Congress YouTube page, we posted a video. It's a 30-minute video that is actually clips from a panel from 2015 at the International UFO Congress. This was the same Uh Congress that Bob Lazar was at. Um, And Jeremy had released a short kind of clip that he uh, actually integrated to his more recent documentary at this conference um, for our conference goers. But we had a whistleblower panel. And on that panel was Ruben Uriarte talking about this case from California. Uh, We had Mark Pilkington, who's talked about uh, Richard Doty. He wrote a book on that called Mirage Man. And, of course, I've talked about him a lot. An alleged whistleblower. And then uh, we had other whistleblower representatives such as Stanton Friedman to talk about Jesse Marcel, who, of course, the whole Roswell thing. And then, of course, Jeremy Corbell on the stage to talk about Bob Lazar, which gave us, of course, an opportunity to have Jeremy and Stanton debate Bob Lazar. And so we've got (laughs) 30 minutes of them debating um, during this panel that's uploaded to the UFO Congress YouTube page for people to watch. And then there's a link to watch the entire thing on Vimeo uh, in the show notes there. So definitely people will want to check that out. That's great. All right. Otherwise, yeah. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you once again. I hope you guys have a great 2019. And I guess the other things I'll say are just at Open Minds. Don't forget, you can find out links to all of this stuff, and you can get links to the latest news at openminds.tv. Also, uh-oh, I better get going because in 15 minutes, I've got to do my live YouTube show that I do every week at 6 p.m. Well, most weeks, if there's not a holiday or something going on, <laughs> at 6 p.m. And uh, we've got more exciting interviews in store for the show. So be sure to check back. Uh, also, some of you might have noticed our lamps, these UFO hovering lamps, have been a huge hit um, <laughs> at the UFO Congress store, along with other things. And we ran out of them, but we're going to be getting more in soon, if you were curious about when we we're getting those, because I've had a lot of people ask about them. But we've got all kinds of cool stuff at the store that you can check out at store.ufocongress.com. And I guess just stay tuned for more information. Thank you so much to Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music of the show. Thank you to Systematics for the bumper music. And of course, as usual, thank you all the listeners for listening. And until next week, anybody want to join me with my little end? Adios, muchachos. Muchachos.